Have you ever longed to escape reality or fantasized about stepping into someone else's shoes, even for just a little while? Hi, I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Hawley. We host CBC's Play Me, the immersive podcast that transforms theater into addictive audio fiction. Join us for a new season and disappear into a world rich with drama, where every show delivers hypnotizing stories and unveils intriguing characters with secrets. Play me wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. What happens when you have success really fast? Lauren Spencer Smith had over a billion streams and a number one single before putting out her first album. She'll tell you why she never wanted to win American Idol anyway. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. When you Part of songwriting for me is also strategic. I'm like, cool, what do people want to hear? Like, what can I take out of myself that other people would actually want to listen to? A lot of people have wanted to listen to Lauren Spencer Smith. I'm Talia Schlanger sitting in for Tom Power. It's songs like this one you're hearing paired with her incredible voice that have taken Lauren from singing in her bedroom in Port Alberni on Vancouver Island to performing in front of Lionel Richie, Katy Perry, and Luke Bryan on American Idol to getting nominated for three Junos, to having a number one single, and over a billion streams. Lauren Spencer-Smith has had all of the success, get this, even before she has released her debut album. It's out today. It's called Mirror, and she joined Tom Power to talk about it. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. How are you feeling with this thing about to come out? Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm excited to have it all out in the world, but I'm a little scared and a little nervous at the same time. What? Why? I don't know. I'm very, very number driven. So like if it doesn't do how well I want it to do, it will like send me into like a spiral. Like I feel like everyone who does social media, the numbers get to us deeply. So we're like, oh no, what if it doesn't do as well as all the hard work that I've put into it over the last three years and you get really in your head overthinking it. You're very pragmatic. You're, you're very realistic about the business. Where, where does that come from? Ooh, that's a great question. Both of my parents were just very, like taught me to be very business oriented my entire life. They were very realistic about hey, if you want to go into this industry, like, here's what it's like, like, watch this documentary. A huge famous artist got all their money stolen from them by their manager and like the awful Hollywood things. Like, I've been prepared being like, I'm going to check my bank statements weekly to make sure this never happens to me. I've watched every traumatizing video that every artist has spoken about in the industry to make sure it does not happen to me. I'm so glad to hear that. You know, I, I talk to so many artists who like have that realization like 10, 15, 20 years into their career. And for you to be having it just as you're yeah. starting out is a, is a really, I mean, it's a, it's a great yeah. thing. I thought we could start, yeah. start a little bit at the beginning. Uh, just take a listen to this. So when I'm all choked up, but I can't find the words Every time we say goodbye, baby when the sun goes down and the band won't play, I'll always remember us this way. 
Can you tell me what we're listening to? Oh God, I'm like, that's a video of me when I was 15 singing in the car with my dad just to a karaoke track that I posted on Facebook. What song is it? It's Always Remember Us This Way by Lady Gaga from the soundtrack of um, why can't I think of the name? Her with Bradley Cooper. Oh, um, oh yeah. A Star well, is Born. Yeah. A Star, a Star is Born. That, yeah, that one. Yeah. Right, right, right. Tell me why, tell me how making that video, again, which is just you and your parents' truck singing a song into a yeah. camera. Tell me how that video changed your life. Oh, my God. I feel like that was the starting point of me really starting to do music. After that video, it kind of initiated into me going on American Idol and posting more on social media, I had a bit of a following, like I could do live streams and make money from it instead of having to like be a server at a restaurant. And it definitely opened up my opportunities and people that were reaching out to me. I had more contacts. Um, I was still 15, so I couldn't just fly out to LA by myself and like go write songs and become an artist. But it definitely was the gateway to me meeting new people and having other opportunities. But like, when did you like... So you uploaded it, uh, I guess. And then like, how, when did you know it was starting to take off? And that must be such a uh, scary feeling. Yeah. I mean, I actually didn't want the video posted. I just do that in the car all the time. And my dad started filming me. Um, so I didn't want it posted. I didn't look at the views. I didn't even say anything about it. And my mom came in my room the following day at like 1 p.m. being like, this has 10 million views. <laughs> and I didn't even know what to do with myself. <laughs> well, yeah, what do you do when you find that out? Yeah. I mean, at the time I was like 15. So I had the regular 15 year old reaction, which is, oh my goodness, this video is going viral. Like, am I going to be famous overnight? Like the typical teenager vibe of it. Um, but I was just really, really excited. I feel like, especially even at that age, I knew I wanted to be a singer and it was really cool to finally just like see something that I had done, get recognition kind of thing. And then it, it helped me with this story. Cause I, I think, I think I know it. You get a call from the producers of American Idol? Yeah, they honestly just emailed and they just set up a call with us. And we were like, sure, we'll go on the show, whatever. <laughs> I don't want control. I want to let go. But now it's time to let them know. So So then you go down and then you, you do the audition for, for Katy Perry, for Lionel Richie, and, yeah. and, and for Luke Bryan. How, I, I have some cynicism around reality TV that I wish mm -hmm. I didn't have. How real is that? Like, are you really walking out on that stage? And Yeah, I mean, like, at the end of the day, it is reality TV. Like, I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, but you definitely, you haven't met the judges beforehand. You really are walking out to just, like, sing for them. Wow. Um, which is really nerve-wracking. It has to be, But, you right? know, like... The celebrations after and all that kind of stuff, you obviously have to film that sometimes more than once and be like, cool, let's, you did it the first time, like, let's do it one more time just in case, like, get the celebration. But I will say the singing is live. What the judges say is live. Meeting the judges is live. It's very real. And, and how does that moment feel when you're actually standing in, because most people don't get to experience that, like standing in front of the three of them. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't nervous until I walked out there and then I saw Katy Perry and Luke Bryan and I was like, oh God, I love them so much. Um, and I like totally fangirled inside. The whole audition was actually a blur to me. I remembered them not being nice to me, not like not nice to me, but I was like, no, they didn't say like that nice of things. Like, I think they just put me through 
And then months later, when I watched it on TV, I was like, they said that to me? What? Oh. Like, I just blacked out, I think. Uh, Lionel, what you got? <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting over here thinking we're on the full attack. <laughs> 15, 16 year olds are coming strong this trip, boy. Amazing control. And as much as I want to critique, I just think you just did a great job. You may be 16, but that voice is a thousand years old. Exactly. So I think the way that people who are listening to this who don't know your story might think the story goes is that you win American Idol or you get second in American Idol and then then your career kind of explodes. But you you make it to Hollywood, but you don't – you get – you're cut from the show in the top 20. And, Lauren, this reminded me of um, a conversation I had with the uh, Canadian artist Charlotte Cardin. I don't know if you know Charlotte. Oh, I love her. She was on La Voix, like the Quebecois, um, The Voice. And she said to me, we had a conversation. Of course, she has her own career now. She makes incredible art. And I said, I said, are you happy you didn't win Lavoie? And she said, yeah. She said, I wasn't, but I am now. I would have been tied to a mm-hmm. record label or I would have been – or someone would have been made a bunch of decisions for me. Like yeah. not winning was the best thing that ever happened to me. Can you relate to that? Yeah. I mean, this is going to sound so crazy, but like I never went on the show to win anyway. I knew that if I won, I was going to be put in a contract that I didn't want to be in. So my whole goal of going on the show honestly was kind of exactly how it turned out, which I didn't even mean for it to turn out that way. Um, But I knew I didn't want to win. When you start being on the show, you start feeling like, ooh, I kind of do want to win. Like now that I'm doing it, I don't want to like (laughs) not try to win. Like, I know what you mean. He's like, well, you know. I'm too competitive to like be like, oh, I, I just came on this to like help build connections and like build an audience. Um, But I really, honestly, when I got kicked off, I just knew in that moment, like everything happens for a reason. Like you weren't meant to win. Like you gained a following. You got to meet all these cool, amazing people on the show and like contacts and songwriters. Um, Like I'm so grateful I did not win that show. It could not have turned out better for me. I'm so, everything happens for a reason. So you go home and write this. Take a listen to this. So Lauren Spencer Smith with Fingers Crossed. You can find it on our debut album, Mirror. That's out now. My name's Tom Power. Listening to you. Lauren, I, I love that song and I loved it from the moment I heard it. Thank you. It's such a beautiful melody. Um, it's sort of old school in its way. It's, the core progression is kind of 50s in some ways, too. And Yeah. It's, it's Thank go- you. That's so nice. It's, it's really gorgeous. I didn't know if you were going to have an answer to this question, but after talking to you for a little while now, I'm realizing how sort of... Um, interested you are in the why of this thing like, mm-hmm. and the how and, the, and sort of the business yeah. side of this. You get cut from American Idol. You write that song. You self-release it. It blows up on TikTok. It goes to number one in Norway and Ireland. And because of the success it found online, I, I don't know if you have an answer to this. I'm going to ask it anyway. Why do you think that song blew up so big on TikTok? Yeah. I mean, I think lots of different reasons. Um, I think the main one is when I started teasing that song TikTok was in like a peak of loving when artists would tease original music. Like I think all social media kind of goes through phases and trends become popular and then they die out and then a new trend becomes popular. And right now I feel like we're in a trend of people are over it and they don't want artists to, there's so many people teasing music. And I think fingers crossed was put out in such a perfect time where it was like COVID was still happening 
People were kind of just coming out of it. It was like around the holidays. Everyone on the internet seemed to be going through like a breakup or something tragic around that time in the world that breakup songs were just like the perfect thing to be teasing on the internet at that time. But I do think that it was just a perfect timing in the world of like what was going on on social media, what was going on with my demographic of people COVID, like just a mix of honestly so many different things as well as then people just love a good breakup song yeah. that has honest lyrics in it. Um, but I do think if I tease fingers crossed right now, I don't think it would do what it did back then. I think it was a perfect timing moment. I feel like I have to do some level of a CBC translation right now. So so what, what Lauren's talking about is like uh, there was uh, on TikTok, they would, I know you're laughing at me, but I'm, I'm going to, and watch, watch, <laughs> watch a 36 year old banjo player. Explain yeah. what you just said there, by the way. This is yeah. a new game show we called 36-Year-Old Banjo Player Explains TikTok. The, there was, a, there was a, a time on TikTok where artists would tease, would like show a verse or even just a couple of words of a song to let yeah. people know that a song was going to come. Famously, you did this. Famously, BB Rexa did it with that, um, I'm new, yeah, I'm feeling all yeah. right, baby. Yeah. See, I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah. That was, I mean, that was a tease. And then people were waiting for the whole song. Now, whether the whole song did yeah. as well as the tease, we don't know. But, um, okay, so that's, that's what you're referring to. Had you not, had you put that up now, a little tease right now, just because of the way trends work on the internet, who knows whether that song would have blown up in the way it did. It was, it was very of the moment. Yeah, yeah I honestly, like, I hate to say this because it sounds like conceited, but... There was a very core group of us that really did it in the beginning. Um, and like, honestly, a lot of people will say like Lil Nas X started it. And then when TikTok came around, like he was the person who started it. And there was probably about like 20 of us that like were constantly doing it and constantly posting. And because nobody else was doing it, like those core group of people, their songs would really shine through. And I find a lot of us, even me, are like struggling now because everyone's doing it. That like you're trying to have like the perfect song that squeezes through everybody. But it was really just perfect timing of like being one of the first people to really hop on the whole teasing original music thing. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you get your podcasts. So with, with all this stuff, you know, uh, you have all this incredible success after, before you put out a, a, a full-length project. I mean, in some ways, that's an old model. You put out an album and you, you, you promote it afterwards. Mm -hmm. In some ways, you are embolic of like the new model of, of how music works right now, which is that you release songs and you release, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and then eventually you put out an album um, after that. You get nominated for Artist of the Year at the Junos this year. I saw your performance uh, at the Junos in Toronto. It was beautiful. Um, Thank you. Do you feel any pressure with an al a full-length album coming out after all this success? 100%. I'm like, a song, We I just had 
We put out that part, and that part started doing well on TikTok. We've only been dating for a year. But I'm gonna take a risk and sound a little weird. I want the picket fences and an arch around the entrance. Two Ikea twin beds for the kids. And before that, I hadn't had a song stream as well as Fingers Crossed and Flowers in like literally a year. And I was thinking to myself, okay, we're putting up this album and like we have no hype going on <laughs> whatsoever. Like we set the bar way too high, guys. Like that was my peak. Like I'm gonna fail at life. Um, and I was definitely feeling super pressured. And then that part did really well, um, kind of closer to when we were putting out the album. And it gave me a little bit of spark again to be like, okay, I think we just need to continue this and keep going. Um, cause I think honestly, whether you're putting an album out or not having like a big level of success on absolutely anything sets the bar really high for you. Um, and then no matter what your stress that you're never going to ever beat that song or that moment or that thing. Um, and you definitely get in your head about it. I hope you could take this question in the in the spirit uh, that I mean it, which is a generous one and a, and um, and, a, and an excited one for you. How do you balance the desire to have big numbers and the thing inside you to make art? Yeah, that's a great question. Like, I never feel like I have to choose one or the other. Yeah. I always think an amazing song, at least in my opinion comes from someone being true to who they are, but also being able to incorporate in their art, like what's going on in the world and what people want to hear. I think if you go too far left or too far right with either one, it's like too personal to you that other people don't relate to it, or it's like too on the nose. So it's not general enough for people to also relate to it. So I've always had that mentality when I was songwriting anyway, like how can I make this a therapeutic song for me that says everything I need to say but word it in a way that's going to be relatable to other people. Um, So I've never felt like the two ever competed against each other. And I've always felt like I've been really true to myself in my art. Um, But I think a part of songwriting for me is also strategic. I'm like, cool, what do people want to hear? Like, what can I take out of myself that other people would actually want to listen to as well? And there's lots of songs we write that never make the album that were personal to me as well, um, that probably will never see the light of day. Um, but yeah. I understand what you're saying there, and I really appreciate your explanation. Your craft, in addition to your art, is how to ride that line of making yeah. something that feels honest to you and something that people want to hear, and those are not mutually exclusive to you. I really appreciate that 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 explanation. Yeah. I also think there's like a lot of people that, and this is like totally fine that people feel this way. Like there's a lot of people that do music, and they always just say to me or say to others, like, I do music because I want to write music. And I always tell people, like, I feel like I have this greater purpose to share the things that I'm writing about because I want it to help other people because I wish I had this song that I wrote when I was going through it and I didn't. And so even when I'm in the studio, like, I feel like I have this greater purpose to be sharing the traumatic things that have happened to me to help other people, um, which I think helps me in a sense because I want it to be relatable to people. I want people to feel better when they listen to it. I never want someone to listen to my song and be like, oh, that, I didn't relate to that. Like, I don't really get what she's saying. I want people to feel understood and feel validated. Um, so I always have that just subconsciously going on inside of me, I think, when I write songs as well. I, I appreciate that. When you listen back to this record now, as you mentioned, it was written over so long. Yeah. What do you hear yourself going through? Oh, sometimes I listen to some of the earlier songs and I just start sobbing. 
because I can't believe that I felt that way when what, I wrote what it. What do you mean? Like we have a song on the album called Never Been In Love. And at the time when I wrote it, it's the first song on the album. Um, I was just with someone and I wrote it from the perspective of I'm with someone, but I'm realizing like this isn't love. So like if I thought you were my first love, like you really not. So I've actually never been in love, even though I thought I had. Um, and now I'm like, I've been with my boyfriend for a year and a half, over a year and a half. Um, and I'm like so in love with him and I know how to set boundaries. I know how to be in a healthy relationship. Like we don't fight. I don't have any of the problems that I had when I was with this other person and the things that were going on in my life. And it's so sad to me that I was so heartbroken that I wrote a song about how just somebody didn't care about me and I didn't have any self-worth or any boundaries because I'm just not like that anymore. You feel bad so for that really person. Sad. You feel compassion for that person. I have so much empathy for younger me. I feel so bad for her. She had no, she just had no idea what she was worth. And it's so sad to listen back to some of the songs and just like realize that I had truly felt that way in that moment. Well, I, 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 what's the name of the song again? Never Been In Love. Let's play it. I was going to ask you for a song to play at the interview, but let's let's play that at the end of the interview. How about yeah. that? Um, Lauren, I, I've, I've learned so much talking to you today. Not only are you a great um, songwriter and a, and a great singer, but I love... I love just hearing about the way you think about music and think about this this world. Thank and you. I really, really appreciate the time. And congrats on the record. Oh, thank you so much. I've never been in love. I mean, I've had a few boyfriends, just didn't enjoy them too much. Think it was more for convenience than any real feelings about us Call it bad luck, cause it was all fun Until it wasn't, still missing something I've never been in love Not the way I want to be Wish it came That's Never Been In Love by Lauren Spencer-Smith from her debut album, Mirror, which is out today, out everywhere. Now, before that, you heard Tom Powers' conversation with Canadian artist Lauren Spencer-Smith. All right, that's it for this episode of Q, the podcast. But you can find another episode in our feed today. You might have heard of the musical Town when it opened on Broadway. It was all anybody could talk about, in part because that was a time when, you know, jukebox musicals or revivals were really the thing. And then here came this completely original concept, a New Orleans-style jazz show based on a Greek myth and written by a folk singer called Aeneas Mitchell. She spent years and years, actually nearly two decades, devoting her life to this show. You can hear her tell Tom Power all about it and about watching her passion project turn into this massive Tony Award-winning success. That's in your podcast feed. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. I'll see you next time. 
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.